0: Hey, good morning and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. My name is Chris Plegenpol. And uh, if you've been sort of trying to figure out why we're online only, uh, my wife and I came down with COVID. uh, And so for last week and this week, uh, for the safety of all, we have said, let's just go ahead and go virtual uh, for these two weeks. So we will be back in person outside Uh, inside and online next week. Really excited about sharing uh, God's word with you in person again, as I've missed all of you. And on that note, thank you so much for all the food, all the meal train, all the support, and all the prayers. Uh, It is really uh, something special to be honored like that uh, by an incredible church that we have. And I'm just really, 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 really grateful for that. All right, we're gonna be uh, we're in a new series called God's Design for Sex, Singleness, and Serious Relationships, and one of the things we want to remind everybody is if there, if you have any questions at all, <clears throat> we love questions, and this is your turn, your time to ask questions, and I will get answers to those questions. Uh, usually, post those on Tuesday ish uh, on Pastor Plex Podcast, so look for that wherever podcasts are distributed. All right, so we're in this series. And you would think we're going to start with sex. Uh, we're not. We're actually going to start with singleness because I feel like uh, we're about to approach February. If you didn't know that February is Single Awareness Month, it's where every single person has heightened awareness of their singleness. And that's not to mock or make fun of those who are single. Uh, I can testify. Uh, I spent Just over 16 years of my adult life as a single person and just under 10 years of my adult life as a married person. So when it comes to singleness and sort of feeling the weight of singleness and what that means, I totally get it. And if you are single, which about half of you are, about half of us here in Austin are single and about half of us are married. And probably most of us are like at some point wishing we were the other person. And, um, I want to take you sort to, to my time as a single person and really help you to understand where I'm coming from as a person who sort of gets singleness and why it's so important to understand God's design for singleness because what can happen is we can miss out on the goodness of God even when we have access to every spiritual blessing on, uh, in the heavenly realms right now. So when I was in my 20s, I remember living alone. I was in a house. My roommate was a pilot in Bosnia, and I was just having a moment of just sheer anxiety, loneliness, thinking um, I'm 23, 20, 24 years old-ish, and I felt so alone. I remember crying out to God and just going, God, where are you? I mean, I'm, I, re- I literally remember yelling at the top of my lungs in an empty house just wondering where God was, wondering what God was doing and feeling like all, I had a whole bunch of emotion rushing through of like, you know, I didn't know, you know, how to have a, um, I was terrible at meeting people. I was like, I was always, The person that was too intense, too fast, you know, like, because I hated small talk. And so talking about nothing was like drivel. And I could not understand why people did it. But I knew it was a necessary product to kind of, to help people get to that point of like, I don't know you at all, to like, we're very intimate. And so what happened is that for me in those days, I was either... Not friends with anybody, but I got super close super fast. And so that sort of messed everything up. And I always felt like, what is wrong with me? Why don't I at least have a wingman that can help me out? There's got to be something messed up with me that I'm having so much trouble finding a spouse. In fact, in those moments of our singleness, and trust me, there was years of it for me. I mean, it's like you're 18, you're 19, you're 20, you're 21, you're 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, still single, 27, 28, 29, 30. Uh-oh, I'm 30, 31, 32, 33. That, that was my life uh, hitting 34 and then finally getting married. And And that is sort of like the experience can be this is going to be forever. Or what if there is something so messed up in me? And this might be, watch this. We don't see a reason for our singleness because we're afraid of I, this might be true for some of us not being good enough. There's something wrong with me that uh, people of the opposite sex, the people that I want to get married to, the people I want a relationship with, they just seem like a fantasy and not reality. And what's wrong with me? I must have missed out on something that God was handing out early on and what got me so lonely there must be something wrong here okay and then um and this is this is where it gets weird right because it wasn't like I was just in that category but there were other days when I what did have a girlfriend uh and then I would feel like oh no I'm stuck and what if um I'm settling. And then I would always be with the person I was with. I was like, maybe there's somebody better out there and sort of looking to the grass being greener on the other side. And uh, I constantly was sort of terrified. I don't want to end up like my parents. I don't want to get divorced. And so if I can find a flaw in the woman, then I could maybe be relieved because I know that's clearly not the one because the one that's going to be perfect, the one that's not going to have anything messed up in them is the one that God probably wants me to be with. And I just got to find the one. That has no issues. <laughs> oh man, and that was exhausting. But it was a real fear. It was a real struggle. And then ultimately, after you go back and forth on those two, you sort of wonder, and you, like you just throw up your hands, and you just wonder, "Am I just gonna be sad and alone?" I mean, it becomes this place where, as a single person, you just like, "Am I just? Am I just destined for?" aloneness? Am I not capable of relationship uh, with somebody over the long haul? And I I know that not everybody here is single, but you probably know somebody who is, or if you're a parent, you're about to raise kids who are going to have all of these fears. And they're going to be a teenager and they are a teenager and they're going to be a young adult and they're sort of wondering what it is in their heart. And I want to help you have that conversation with them. And if you are them, I want to be able to speak some truth into your life, into your heart. And um, there's three lessons I'm wanting you to pull out of this morning. And if you can get this like stuck in your head uh, as like your own little personal mantra, it comes from God's word so you can trust it and I will show you where this is true. But this is what I want you to have on repeat. Don't be afraid. God has good for you. You are not alone. And um, this week on, on a prayer walk, I, as I was thinking about this morning, I was like, God, what do you want me to tell single people? And what do you want me to tell married people who are going to be encountering single people? Maybe people that are just wherever they're at. What do you want me to tell them? And just that that came on repeat. Don't be afraid. God has good for you. And you are not alone. And I think somebody here in the sound of my voice needs to hear that. Don't be afraid. God has good for you. You are not alone. And so this morning, we're going to learn that truth uh, encapsulated in Psalm 34. Uh, whenever single people, it should be close to the Psalms because it's all usually about written by a guy named David who spent a lot of his life being singled and, and hunted and maybe married, but could, was sort of estranged from his wife at times. In fact, that's going to be where we find him here. And the loneliness is overwhelming. The, the sense of God, what are you doing when I ha- you had these great plans for me is overwhelming. So we're going to get into this Psalm. And so would you mind praying with me, asking God to open up your heart to be able to receive God's truth, that you might be able to minister his truth or receive the ministry. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. I pray, God, that you would speak really clearly to single people. And God, that you would use married people to speak to single people that who've experienced that sense of, God, are you going to come through? And then he does. But Lord, I pray that uh, for single people, like feeling like uh, nobody understands, married people have no clue, that they would know that you, God, understand what it is to be single. Jesus, uh, you were single while you lived on this earth. The guy that almost wrote half of the New Testament, Paul, was a single guy. God, you have great plans for single people, and we love you for that. And so, Lord, uh, as we open up your word, would you speak really clearly to some people who really need to hear from you uh, this morning? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's look at Psalm 34, and um, I want to take a look. It, this is technically part of verse one and people debate whether this is inspired or not, but it's the little, you know, little, little small print thing that says, well, of this, of David. And and a lot of the Psalms have like little parentheses of like what the Psalm, the occasion it was written. And so some scholars debate that if this was um, inspired or not, or if this was just annotated later, uh, written in for, uh, you know, late scholars, to, to help us to understand when this was written. But I want to take a look at this. It says, Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. And this is, I love the, the context of this psalm. And this psalm's context is from 1 Samuel chapter 21, uh, specifically verses 10 through 15. And in this time, uh, you remember when David, uh is warned by Jonathan to run that Saul wants to kill him. So David runs. He goes to uh, a priest, a Ahimelech, actually, and Himelech gives him the show bread, which only the priests were supposed to eat. But because the, he hadn't been with a woman in a while, uh, it was okay for him to eat the show bread. And then he gives him Goliath's sword. And so David's got Goliath's sword. He's on the run. He's all by himself, and he heads to. Gath, which if you don't know what Gath is, it was like the capital of the Philistines. Remember, the Philistines were the ones that David just like took out. And so in this moment of feeling alone, he's just been separated from his wife. He's on the run, never to see his best friend again, as far as he knows. And he's on the run um, as a refugee, as a as someone seeking political asylum and he runs right to the very nation that was trying to strike down God's people. And that's where he goes for help. And I love that, that David, even David goes to the enemy for help. Cause I think that's what happens to a lot of us. And somewhere in this, he has a change of heart, right? Cause he eventually leaves there. Watch, watch this. Um, Oh, by the way, uh, Abimelech, this is the textual criticism thing right here. This means my father, Abi means my father, Melech means king. And so this, that means uh, the king was actually Akish, right? King Akish. And so what most scholars think is that Abimelech, my father, the, the king was another title for him, or my father is the king. And so it was either another name for Akish or it was a title for, Ak- for Akish, and he went by Abimelech. And that's what David wrote or somebody wrote uh, at this specific part whenever he was writing this psalm. Okay, uh, that's important. So Psalm 34, verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So this is written in the sense that one day I'm not gonna be alone. And even though I was alone, things are turning around for me and I want everyone to know the story. And verse four is huge. He says, I sought the Lord. Now, the interesting thing I always think about this is when did he seek the Lord? Did he seek the Lord uh, as he was foaming at the mouth, because that changed his behavior, was he changed his behavior to pretend like he was crazy. So he's foaming at the mouth, clawing at the door, uh, acting like a crazy person. And King Achish goes, don't I have enough crazy people in my empire? Get this guy out of my face. And so he leaves. And what, I wonder when it was, when he was, he was foaming about that. At that point, he's like, this is not working. All of a sudden, uh, the the Philistines go, isn't this the guy that they wrote the top 40 song about? You know, the one that goes, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And the thousands that they are talking about killing are us. And so at that moment, David's like, "Uh uh-oh, i am found out. God help me. He's in the middle of his like acting crazy. Is this when he sought the Lord? I don't know. But to me, I love the fact that it wasn't like, David was just a pious guy always making the right decision. Here he is in the enemy camp and he's making bad decision after bad decision. He's like, I sought the Lord and he answered me. And then I love this. He delivered me from all my fears. His fear of of never seeing Jonathan again. Well, at this moment, he hasn't seen Jonathan again, but for some reason that fear has been taken away. That he never see his wife again. Somehow that... Fear has been taken away, uh, that he would be killed. Somehow that fear has been taken away. Look at this, this is David. He's just escaped with his life. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. What's the greatest fear that he might have shame Uh, that all the things that he was trying to do for the Lord, all the great victories for God would be sort of eradicated and wasted as he would have died at the hands of the king of Gath or the Philistines. And for what? Because he was running from King Saul, who God had put into place and whom God had chosen David to replace. And then he says, listen, this poor man cried. He's talking about himself. And the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him. So who should you be afraid of? You you respect, you fear God, not man. And delivers them. All right, all right this is this is huge, right? Remember, the first thing I wanted you to hear is, don't be afraid. God has good for you. You are not alone. Don't be afraid. I think for us, and, I, and I've been mentioning this a whole bunch, really our greatest fear is that um, we would be exposed. Remember, we, we've said this. Um, you might be loved, to be loved and not known as superficial. It might be how you feel when you come to this church or when you go to any church. You show up, everyone's like, hey, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. But you're not. You're broken right? There, there's a reality that we can do the whole I'm fine thing, but, and then you don't ever talk to anybody outside of this. We should get lunch sometime. Yeah, that'd be really great. And then nobody pulls out their phone or their calendar. And so you end up realizing that people don't actually want to spend time with you, but at least it's not because they know you. It's just, it was superficial feel good. And, and you know, what? that's people being civil. That is normal uh, civil action at any public gathering. And it's nice to go somewhere where people know you and you're known somewhat. And you can be a little bit anonymous because your greatest fear is this. Your greatest fear is to be known, I mean, fully known and then rejected. That's everybody's greatest fear. Why was David's fear really being ashamed? Because on the inside, all that was in the inside, all of his fear, all of his running to the enemy when he should have been running to God would have been exposed. And that's what you don't want exposed. That's what I don't want exposed. I don't want you to know about all the times I ran to the enemy (laughs) when I should have been running to the Lord, right? Because you know, true freedom, true, like living by faith and not by fear is the, to be fully known and fully loved. And that is how God loves us and to trust in Him even when fear gets overwhelming. And so, and if you've ever wondered why there have been lame prayer requests in your community group, it's because people are terrified of being fully known and rejected. That's why your prayer request time is lame. That's why no one, everyone always prays about the somebody that's way out there and they don't ever talk about themselves. Because for me, for you to know what I'm praying about, for you to know what the stuff that's going on in me, that I'm going to be exposed, I'm going to be full of shame. And I'm afraid of that. And what God wants you to know is don't be afraid. Now, let me take to singleness for a second here. Um, when I was single, I, when it, here's what I, can I let's, we're going to get real here, right? This is the part where... Uh, you know, I'm putting this out there for everyone to know. Uh, there's no going back from this point forward about the things that I would do. All right, future pastor person, actually loving God at the moment, really seeking God. And yet in my fear, I ran to the enemy just like David did. All right, so here's what I did. So in my singleness, when, that, when, I, when those moments of the, um, the, the dark night of the soul came, and that's when I'd start get online. I'd start Facebook stalking girls. Maybe like this is the one, maybe this is the one. And even got to a point where I remember I was on a flight and I and I was reading one of the, you know, the magazine that's in flight magazine. And uh, it's, there's this advertisement for It's Just Lunch. It was a dating service where you had to pay like $2,000. And all they did was take a Polaroid picture of you. And then they would go and get girls for you to go meet. And I went on and I paid it. And then I paid ridiculous amounts of money to go on dates with girls I didn't know nor cared about. And after I met him, I was like, these people don't know God. They don't care about God. But in my, I was like, I got to get out there. You might win the lottery. The only way to win the lottery is if you play. I mean, that's sort of what it felt like. But my heart, whenever it got afraid, it started to run to the very thing that the whole world would mock and fake fun of and sort of go, and listen, it's a different world in that that's where a lot of people meet people's online. I get that. But my heart was like, I would run there as opposed to run to the Lord. I I decided to do dating the world's way because I didn't trust God in what he had for me. And I think that's what happens to all of us. When we get afraid, that's in, in here. How do you not live f- afraid? You start to confess stuff like that. You let the stuff that, you, that, it, that causes you fear, and then what happens is you don't become a person of fear. Because here's what pu- people of fear are they're people who build walls up that say, I don't want you to really know me because if you really know me, you wouldn't like me. But when I show you my vulnerability, when I show you the real me, there's something in you that goes, that's awesome. I wish I could be like that. I wish people could know and I didn't care. Because when you fear the Lord over your fear of man, it puts you into a whole nother category where you don't have to defend yourself. You simply come to the Lord with confession. And that confession is good because the Bible's clear that all of us are sinners. We all run to our fear and, and try and figure it out. But Jesus says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And on the flip side, when we confess our sins one to another, James 5.16 says, and we pray for each other, we will be healed and we'll be healed from the fear of man. Isn't that beautiful? So, so here's David experiencing that freedom and then he's like wanting everyone else to jump on the bandwagon. Look at verse eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. A couple years ago, uh, we did a thing where we said, taste and see that the Lord is good. That, that we, we, got, we gave everyone Round Rock Donuts, said, enjoy this. This is taste and see he is worth it. He's better than Round Rock Donuts. But blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Because I think when we say taste and see the Lord is good, I feel like it's the Pat Mahomes commercial saying like, I eat 100% of my green beans. I 100% don't like them, 100% don't care. I'm going to eat my green beans. I know it's good for me. It's like medicine that tastes awful, but it will eventually heal me. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. It's good for you. It's like good, like literally tastes good and good for you. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Remember, this, this is the promise. Like when you trust in the Lord, he takes care of you. And then he says, look, watch. The young lion, the young lions suffer want and hunger, which is weird because young lions are really fast and really strong and they can jump on their prey and kill them pretty easily. But say, listen, young lions are going to suffer and want before those who seek the Lord suffer and want. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Now, this is a promise over and over throughout scripture. One of our promises that we gave out on our promise um, bookmark was Romans 8:28. Essentially, that God has good for you. Don't be afraid. God has good for you. You are not alone. Romans 8:28 says, For all things we're together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And then the the question is, do you believe that? And I think for a lot of us, for a lot of us, Um, and maybe, okay, this could be for me too, is that what we do is we live in the worst case scenario, okay? And so we're like, hey, listen, I'm always preparing myself for the worst case scenario. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because I don't want to enjoy anything because the second I enjoy something, I become vulnerable to the joy. And then bam, the other shoe drops. And it's like, bam! I told you you shouldn't get happy. You shouldn't get excited about anything. You got too happy. It's like, what's weird, what's weird is that although we believe in Jesus, and we have all these promises, uh, we'd start believing in karma. Like you can't have to, listen, it can't be too good. Because if it's too good, eventually it's going to be bad. And so at best, you are sort of a Christian stoic. And so you're sort of living in like the worst case scenario. And then when the worst case scenario happens, you are prepared for it. Well, congratulations. You can tell everybody how you knew it was going to happen. But man, You rob a lot of people, including yourself, of joy, and you don't live out the truth of the actual God who is. You're again, you're afraid because you don't believe that God has good for you. Um, Okay, here's here's what I want—a story I want to share with you guys. Um, I have journals, and this is just one of my journals. and this, this particular journal is from, and I have journals from my uh, time in combat. I have journals from, and this is a time in ranger school, probably some of the hardest times of my life when I couldn't have been more hungry, when I couldn't have been more like um, sleep deprived, although having small children might be right there. And I want to just read this, like a teeny, teeny, tiny section of this. It was right after I just finished the combat water survival test. That's where you jump off a three meter platform. It's like, I guess that's like 30 feet in the air and you have all this army equipment on. You have to take it off and then swim to the other side of the pool. And um, when you did it, you took your, while you were waiting in line, you had to stand at the position of attention, which just like this, and you'd like lean forward till your nose was on the back of the neck of the guy in front of you. So just imagine... A hundred men shaved heads with your nose on the back and then people scream at you, calling you everything about, you know, that you were disgusting maggots. Like you, you can imagine what was being said. And, and here's, here's what I, I wrote during that time. Thank you, Jesus, for getting me through this. Uh, I really learned perspective at that CWST, the Combat Water Survival Test. When we were all stood there faces against the wall or in the back of another man, uh, the constant yelling telling us how worthless we are. It was reminiscent of a Nazi concentration camp. But I found joy in those times. For when I was weak, you were strong. Even though the day consisted of being smoked, and being smoked means physically working out really hard, being smoked, being smoked, and being smoked. And I thought at times my knee wouldn't make it, but you are faithful and you never left my side. I praise you for that and thank you. I, that And that's kind of like the, the, the gist that kind of goes on from there of like, there's this moment of like, it couldn't get any worse. It couldn't get any worse for uh, the amount of circumstantial pain of no sleeping, physical exertion, being mocked, being called names and feeling like you're the smallest peon on the planet. And I'm going to be in this sort of hell for like forever because graduation wasn't guaranteed, and it was like something that I said I was going to be at for forever, and this was the next year of my life. And I know, I know it feels like uh, singleness is forever, but here's, 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 watch this. The really cool thing about that moment is I, I was getting to do something that only single people can do. Um, sure, married people in the military, but boy, the army wives, military spouses, they sacrifice a ton. And so for me, I, I felt like, man, this is my time to go and live for the Lord. And here's what I want you to see. You don't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go to the military. But what I, but I challenge you is to, I think what happens for us, we get a lot of very safe life, a very comfortable life. And God's saying, the time to do hard things, the time to go be like the Apostle Paul and, and travel the world and share Jesus with everybody is when you're single. And I think what happens for us, we're so afraid of being single that we never go and experience anything. And so our lives are soft because we've never been, we've never been forced to trust the Lord. And so when really hard times come in our life, we are afraid and we run back to the enemy and we don't believe that God is good. Okay. Okay. Watch this. Now watch verse 11. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he will, may see good? Like who out there wants to see good? Here's how you get it. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And what he's saying is like, for you to experience God's goodness, that means there's a part of you that has to deny yourself and run after him. That, this is the thing, we, we. what happens for Americans, for a lot of us, we get so in love with our comfort. We have our air conditioning set perfectly. We have our streaming channels like set so we don't have to watch anything we don't like. And so and at any time it's on demand, it's for us. You can have food show up at your house without having to work for it. You can do whatever you could possibly imagine and it's all comfort. And what happens is when we get frustrated, we turn to evil as opposed to the Lord's way because it's more comfortable. And what God is saying is look, Listen, listen, listen. turn from evil and do good. It's discipline. That's, that's discipline. And you say, no, no, no. What the world says is, if it makes me feel good, go do it." And what God is saying here is, "Listen, no, no, that's untrue. And th- you know this to be true of everything. How about this? Being ha- unhealthy is, is hard. If you're an unhealthy person, uh, I have a friend of mine who's unhealthy, and he's so unhealthy, and he's he sort of made him this way through bad um, self-care. And he can't go travel any more than 30 minutes anywhere. It's, he's made life hard on himself. And so now he has to reap the consequences and there's things he can't do. On the flip side, if you try and be a physical fitness person, life is going to be hard. There'll be certain things you can't eat. There'll be certain things you can't do because you're wanting to be physically fit. And we understand that that for Physicalness, but in the spiritual life, it's the same way. When we deny ourselves like a pleasure that is outside God's boundaries and we trust the Lord, we turn away from evil and do good, we seek peace and pursue it, then we reap the blessing that God wants good for us. And I think that's the part where we struggle because we have an underdeveloped spiritual life because we've always done what's comfortable. Okay, watch watch this, because you're like, no, no, you don't understand. My life's been hard. No, good news when your life is hard. It's not like God is not paying attention. Watch this. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Now, this, is, this is, might be your verse. Verse 18, Psalm 34, verse 18 might be your verse. Look at this. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Mm. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. And again, remember this is why I love this. It's not like David was the righteous brokenhearted. Now, granted, Saul chasing him and wanting to kill him, that's a great reason to be brokenhearted. But being in an enemy camp against the very people who want to destroy God's people, that's not the time. Like, that's brokenhearted for the wrong reason. I'm about to die because I ran to this bad guy. Do you see that? But it, the Lord isn't like justifying your sin. He is close to the brokenhearted because He's like, this is a great time for you to turn toward me. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Is that you? Draw near to the Lord, and he'll draw near to you. That's, that's from James, which means you are as close to God as you choose to be because he's always near. Remember, you've said this, why did you allow this to happen? And he's saying, because I want you to get real close to me because I'm really near when you're really hurting. And if you would just turn to me, I could minister to you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Just because you live the right way doesn't mean you're going to escape um, heartache. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. However, the Lord will deliver you. Remember, we've said this. With God, everything's going to be okay. And if it's not okay, it's not the end because in the end, everything's going to be okay. That's the promise. If it's not okay, it's not the end. And so you are not alone don't be afraid. God has good for you. You are not alone. And if there was any time for David to have felt alone, it was on this run. Because right after this is where he goes to the cave of Adullam. And I think he pens this uh, psalm in between leaving King Achish and showing up the cave of Adullam. And he's writing this and he's like, I know that you are with me. You are close to me. And you know what was so great about this? Even though he didn't know if he'd ever see his wife again, he didn't know if he'd ever see his best friend, Jonathan, again. He didn't know who he'd ever see. All of a sudden he shows up at the cave of Adullam really lonely and God sends word somehow out to everybody and his family shows up and then everybody who's in debt shows up. It's like a great combination. Uh, and they just say, we're gonna follow you, David. And then David gets to minister to them with this psalm because they, he knew exactly how they felt. And that's why I love, maybe your cave of Adullam is right here, right now, and you're you're like right here, and you're wondering, where do you go? Well, the great news is church is a great spot for you to be at. Because the church is the family of God where we all understand what it is to try and do life alone, and we know it never, ever works. In fact, your prayer might have been, God, I just need one Christian friend and in my entire history of my Christian life, when I've prayed that God has always come through and God has brought me somebody that, to walk alongside me, even in my lowest of times in, in combat, in ranger school, in marriage, in, in all the hard times that you might be experiencing, in singleness specifically, he says, you are not alone. Physically, because he has his church, but then spiritually, he is always with you. And one of the things that... um I would do whenever I was single. Um, whenever I was single, I would do this. I would go and find a, um, I know this sounds weird, a prayer room. Churches had prayer rooms. I would go online. I'd figure out what church had a prayer room. When I found out they had a prayer room, I would go, and, and this is sort of weird and don't judge me, but you know, remember we're, we're judgment free right now. I would go to the prayer room and I would just spend hours just alone in prayer with God, like, God, I need you to speak to me. I need to feel close to you. I'm not leaving here until I feel a sense of your closeness because I am brokenhearted. You said in your word that you are close to the brokenhearted. I'm not leaving here until I can feel the sense of your presence and your power. And there was something really exciting about that, that I can only tell you that I can only experience as a single person because as a married person and especially as a dad, I've got someone screaming at me and like telling me to wake up and make them breakfast all the time. But the reality was back then when there was nobody clamoring for my time and I went to spend it with the Lord, it was like this unbelievable joy filled up my heart as I sort of had a date with God, as I spent time alone with him because I was never, ever alone. And I could pen and write the feeling of my heart and wrote my own Psalms of closeness, exactly how David got alone with God and he wrote it out. I got to get alone with God and write it out. And I think that's the part that it's a lost art because what's happened for us, that when we feel alone, we cope. Maybe we run to the enemy or maybe we run to streaming or video games or porn, or you name the thing and we get into another world. And maybe you're thumbing through social media as opposed to just finding some quiet to be alone with God to remind you that you are never, ever alone. And he's wanting you to experience him. And it was in those moments where I'd pray and watch God move. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on a front row seat to watch God move. Why don't I do this all the time? Because it was in those moments where I need to be reminded that I am not alone. It'd be like simple prayers like, God, I need that friend to call me out of nowhere. I need need you to do something. And then things would happen because of that closeness with God. And you're like, Chris, that sounds like magic. And sounds like, no, it's a relationship. It's a relationship with a real God who's a real dad who really loved me and still does. And now that I'm almost 44 years old, I can look back on years of faithfulness from God, of prayers being answered and God coming through, me not deserving his grace and him giving it to me again and again and again. And I think that is so great. And the reason that's true is this last little part. Look at verse 20 and 21, and this is prophetic on, on David's part. He goes, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Now, many, most scholars have now attributed this as a messianic like prophecy because Jesus was going to the cross and not one of his bones would be broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Look at that. None. None. Because Jesus came. And he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might be the righteousness of God so we could experience that closeness, even when we want to run to all of our coping mechanisms, even when we want to run to the dating app, or even when we want to run to the, to the relationship we know we shouldn't go to, even when we want, when we want to run to the enemy. when We want to be afraid and be fearful, when we don't trust that God has good, when we feel all alone and like the biggest victim of all time, and we just remember that He came. that's why we read his word, to go over and over again, that the goodness of God, that he would trade his righteousness, which was perfect for ours, which was soiled and awful. And that's the hope that we have, that Jesus came, he died on the cross, rose from the dead, and now you have an opportunity for relationship with him. And so that even when you're crushed and brokenhearted, he says, come here. In fact, one of the things that I just know is that when you sing out to him, one of the things I love to do in my quiet time or in my time with him is I sing songs and I just go for it. And I'm just like, God, I'm crying out to you. I'm singing to you. And I can just imagine God on the other side of heaven just going, because in heaven, you know, here's the thing about God. In heaven, he has angels surrounding him. This is why I've been reading Revelation. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And it's on repeat for forever. So for those of you who get tired of singing the same thing over and over again, put it on repeat, it's actually in the Bible. And so what happens, he's got these angels just on repeat going, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And sometimes I would just go and I'll just start singing to him and I can just see him telling the the choirs of angels to stay silent for a second because he's gonna step through the veil of reality and he sits in that room right next to me, if you know what I'm talking about. And you can feel the closeness of our God and he's like, as he just takes in the song of the redeemed. And I sing and he hears me. And that feeling of closeness overwhelms me because he is a God who is, and he's a God who is good. Jesus came that we'd have life and have it to the full. The enemy, it only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But in Jesus is full on, full power, so this morning, wherever you're at in your singleness, or if you're ministering to someone who is single, would you remind them of this simple truth that, that you that should, should experience? Don't be afraid. God has good for you, and you are not alone. So my question for you this morning is, will you trust God's design for singleness? Even when it's hard, Even when it feels like, you know, no, 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 you don't understand. It's so, it's so, it's so. I get it. Don't turn victim card. Turn this so that later on you might write the psalm that says, come all. And I want to teach you to fear the fear of the Lord. Come and experience this. And from your own life, you can show how God's goodness, even in your maybe darkest time, was so fueled. And then you tell the story to your kids and you tell the story to your wife or you tell the story. And God, even in the singleness, you say, it's good. And I want you to believe in that, that his goodness is your best. And you want that more than you want anything. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. I thank you that you're always moving that Jesus, you came, you died on that cross, you rose from the dead. And Father, I pray for anyone who doesn't know you to simply to put their trust in you, to exchange their sin for your righteousness just by believing in Jesus. And that they could see that even in their singleness or even in their ability to minister to somebody in their singleness is never hampered by their own righteousness, but that your word is so powerful and so true and so above all of us. And I pray, God, that you would move in a unique way this morning through the lives of those who are single and those, through those lives who are ministering to those who are single. And God, for those of us uh, who haven't believed, they'd simply just come over that line of faith and say, God, you are everything. Jesus, thank you for dying for me and being raised from the dead. I know you're close to me. Father, for those who've been walking with you for a while and they got stuck and maybe they went back to their fear, maybe they don't believe that you have good for them, like real good, that's genuine, that anybody would say was good. And God, I pray that just they would feel like you were close to them and they would experience your goodness in the land of the living and be reminded that you're beyond the circumstance. And if right now it's not okay for them not to worry, in the end, it's gonna be okay. Lord, you're good, and we trust you, and we thank you, God. It's all for your glory, we pray. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Okay.